Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. If you celebrate such things, I have not had enough coffee to uh, be happy, uh, but I've tried. And I, I think that that is what counts. But anyway, it is Monday here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or use the KPL app chat. And you can take part in the conversation there as well. Got a lot of things that I want to talk about today, but the biggest thing, in my opinion, uh, and it really in the grand scheme of things, it's not really the most important news story out there. But it bothers me, and this is my show, so I am going to talk about it, but... I I don't like entertainment reporters. I don't like people who write reviews. I I I don't I I if there's ever a review of a book or an album or a movie, I tend to avoid those. Because just like the um just like the folks, the fine folks at, at ESPN, the agenda-driven journalism has extended to, to the entertainment writers. Over the weekend, over the weekend, a Washington Post writer wrote possibly the most ignorant attack on a country song. So for those of you who don't listen to country, Luke Combs is a fairly big name in country music right now. And he performs a song, Fast Car. Now there are going to be a number of younger folks out there who know Luke Combs' version of Fast Car, and they don't realize right away it's a cover of the song Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. In 1988, I think it was, yeah, 1988, Tracy Chapman, a queer black woman, released the song Fast Car. It was nominated for three Grammy Awards, including Record of the Year and Song of the Year. Ultimately, Chapman won for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance and Best New Artist. She also has seven other nominations for Grammy Awards, and two wins. I give you this background so I can now read this tweet by Washington Post entertainment reporter Emily Yar. As Luke Combs' hit cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car dominates the country charts, it's bringing up some complicated emotions in fans and singers who know that Chapman, as a queer black woman, would have, had, would have an almost zero chance at that achievement herself. 
by taking Luke Combs' version of Fast Car, making it about race and sexuality, and using that to prove that a white man has all this success that Tracy Chapman never had access, never had a chance at. She's completely written away Tracy Chapman's achievements. And it needs to be noted, Tracy Chapman had a lot of achievements for being a queer black woman in 1988. She's completely obliterated any and all achievement from Tracy Chapman's fast car. And here's the thing that is, is it's so infuriating. This is the exact same reason why conservatives like Clarence Thomas go on about how bad affirmative action is. It's the, it's the other side of the same coin. In order to make everything about the victimology of any minority to the whites, you have to completely obliterate, you have to completely undercut any achievement any African-American makes. This white writer, Emily Yar, an entertainment reporter at the Washington Post, has completely eliminated the success that Tracy Chapman achieved as a singer and songwriter. She released her debut album simply titled Tracy Chapman, which became a commercial success, was certified six times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America, received six Grammy nominations, including one for Album of the Year, like I said, she won Best New Artist, Best Female Pop Vocal Performance for her single Fast Car, and Best Contemporary Folk Album. She then released her second album, Crossroads, and saw more success. Her third album, Matters of the Heart, also was a pretty good success. And then her song, Gimme One Reason, which everybody actually, if you think of Tracy Chapman, most people actually go to Gimme One Reason rather than Fast Car, was a tremendous hit. But because this writer chooses to ignore any and all history before, let's say, 2008, Tracy Chapman was never allowed to achieve success. Luke Combs is stealing all of the success. Never mind that if you listen to Luke Combs' version of the song, You'll notice something. He did not change a thing about the song. He did not change the vocal melody at any point. He did not change the notes. He did not change the octave, anything like that. He even kept the gendered terms, the gendered pronouns in there. He did not change the gender. Normally, if a man sings a song that was originally performed by a woman, he changes the hymns to hers and hers to hymns. But that didn't happen this time. He kept everything the same. Because it's such a damn good song, it is a perfect song as it was, and he just wanted to do a version of it, not try to make it better. 
it's clear if you listen to his version, it's an homage to her great work rather than him trying to make it better. This is why the victimology crowd, the, the crowd that's out there trying to make sure that minorities remember that they're victims of the evil white man, the white man power structure, why they actually do more harm than good. To write what she wrote, which again was, as Luke Combs' hit cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car dominates the country charts, it's bringing up some complicated emotions in fans and singers who know what Chapman as a queer black woman would have had almost a zero chance at that achievement level herself. Completely ignorant of history, completely ignorant of the actual facts surrounding the original version and Luke Combs' version. All to push that narrative. And like I said earlier, the other side of that coin is this. There are people in the entertainment industry who are trying to make artists that belong to minority groups happen. And they can't seem to gain traction, but they get all this acclaim and all this recognition because they are a minority in that particular field. And so it leads to the question, if this person as an artist sucks, but they're getting all of this attention, they're getting all this push from Hollywood and the entertainment industry, is it because there's some talent we're not just seeing? Or are they getting that because of who, of, of how they identify, of their identity? And it completely undercuts what achievements that person may or may not have. This is a big problem, particularly in the entertainment industry, as so many people have tried the whole gender swapping and race swapping and all this and remakes and, and, and trying to make every, there's always this big push, you know, you should, if you're a white person who voices a minority character, you should feel bad about doing that. And we need to recast everything to make it accurate. We need to remake these old white movies and put people of color in them, never mind whether or not the commercial success is there. And oftentimes it isn't. We have to make the statement. The statement is about race. The statement is not about the message of the story. And it completely undercuts the message of artists, songwriters, story writers, movie makers, etc. Completely undercuts any accomplishment they have. Because what's more important is who is delivering the message, not whether the message actually gets delivered. Identity is more important to these people, and that's why there's constantly a failure on their part to grasp the message and grasp the relevance, and why they come across looking so damn ignorant. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. We will have more of the news of the day coming up here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, I've got some bad news. 
for Joe Biden. Apparently, whoever's running his social media is doing a very bad job of of of, of a really complicated, uh, it, it's very complex uh, skill handling very well. That skill is is truth telling. Uh, President Biden's account at POTUS, one year after its launch, our, inter- our administration's 988 suicide and crisis hotline has helped 5 million Americans when they needed it most. Um, the problem is that 988 was signed into law in 2019 under the Trump administration. It is not his administration's program, and he's trying to take credit for it. Uh, I... It should also note be noted that you're you're bragging that five million Americans have felt suicidal enough to use the hotline. That's not the sign of a healthy American. I want to get to that in in the next part of the show. The other tweet that they're struggling with right now uh, at POTUS on Twitter right now, real wages for the average American worker uh, is higher than it was before the pandemic with lower wage workers seeing largest gains. That's Bidenomics. The problem with that tweet, on March 15th, 2020, when the U.S. COVID lockdowns began, real wages adjusted for inflation were at $11.15. As of June 16th, 2023, uh, wages adjusted for inflation are at $11.05. So they are not higher than they were before the pandemic. The Biden team has a problem with lying. I mean, let's be fair, Bidenomics as a platform for success is an incredible joke, one that's actually truly hilarious. But Joe Biden, what are his accomplishments as president? He passed the Inflation Reduction Act It hasn't gone into effect yet. And most of the act has been shown to be more about environmentalism than it actually does anything to address inflation. And in fact, there's nothing in the bill that affects inflation, and yet they're using that as the justification for inflation going down, when in fact, we know inflation is going down because the Federal Reserve has hiked interest rates as high as they have. Bidenomics has made things worse. You know, FDR was given credit for ending the Great Depression with all the social programs that he forced through Congress and became law. uh, Programs which, by the way, uh, the Supreme Court ruled against to the point that that FDR considered packing the court and was ultimately talked down from it. But in retrospect, looking at everything that was passed as part of the New Deal, we know that the New Deal policies actually made the situation worse and the Great, the Great Depression lasted longer than it should have because of those policies. And that's what Joe Biden's trying to do here. Joe Biden is trying to take credit for things that he did not do, and he's actually made worse over time. Inflation would not have been the problem it was if he didn't funnel trillions of dollars into the U.S. economy and weaken the value of the dollar. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back in a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, like T-Don, who reached out earlier. T-Don, hadn't talked to you in a while. Good to hear that you're still listening. T-Don and Brobridge, if you want to send a message through the app, we'd be glad to hear from you, speak with you over the app, or even on the air as well. I want to... So I, I mentioned that one of the one of the things that Joe Biden and his administration... Uh, one of the things they claimed and, and they got called out on uh, one year after its launch, our administration's 988 suicide and crisis hotline has helped 5 million Americans when they needed it most. Try to take credit for the 988 hotline, which was actually something that was signed into law under the Trump administration. But 5 million Americans last year, 5 million Americans needed help from the suicide hotline. That's not something you cheerlead. That's indicative of a pretty major problem in the United States. And I've been mentioning for the longest time now, for at least a week, if not longer, but for a while, I've, I've, made, it the, I've made it a point to mention this fairly often, the the growing mental health crisis in America, and part of it is that people just no longer really feel a sense of hope. And there's not really yet a candidate who is jumping on this. Now, one of the things that's happening right now is that Ron DeSantis's campaign is switching to uh, switching to the Great American Comeback. They've they've talked about it before, but it's becoming it's becoming a major focal point. But he hasn't yet defined what the Great American Comeback is. We need, I say, we as in Americans. Americans need a presidential candidate who can speak in hopeful terms. You're not going to get anywhere by speaking in negative terms and that be it. You can't just run an anti what the Democrats have done campaign. Historically, in, in, in troublesome economic times, candidates who offer a message of we're going to move ahead, those are the candidates that do best. Joe Biden did it in 2020. Donald Trump did it in 2016. Donald Trump talked about making America great again. That was a big part of what what got people to focus on him. Every other Republican candidate was talking about the Obama administration, how bad Obama and his politics was. And, And Donald Trump was saying that too. But Donald Trump was also saying, we're going to rebuild. We're going to make things better. And that was his message. And it resonated. Barack Obama famously talked about everything he was going to do to tell, to help the lower and middle class. Obamacare as a concept was born during the 20 uh, the 2008 race as a means of getting people to side with him on a 
promise of something that was better because a lot of people were hurting in the Great Recession. In 2000, George W. Bush did kind of the same thing. A, a lot of people don't remember, but George Bush actually stayed on message and talked about help being on the way. That was it. Help is on the way. That was the George Bush message. So I want to shift over to a story that has been kind of percolating for a while, but is starting to get a little bit more traction as Democrats freak out about this no labels movement. I've talked about no labels before, and I I don't think that no labels really has a future. Uh, They're not really going to get anything done. But right now, Democrats are looking at no labels. They're looking at uh, Democratic U.S. Senator Joe Manchin going to places like Iowa and New Hampshire to events being held by the no labels people. And they're seeing a threat to Joe Biden. They think there's going to be the Ross Perot effect. Now, there is debate and a pretty good amount of evidence that suggests that there wasn't really a Ross Perot effect, uh, that George W. Bush was probably going to lose to Bill Clinton anyway, because Bill Clinton also was talking about the economy and helping make things better. Famously, it's the economy, stupid. That was the Bill Clinton campaign. The only, in fact, the only exception to the positive message thing, you know, help is on the way where we're going to make things better was George H.W. Bush, who was basically running a campaign. We're going to keep the good times rolling. Because before that, you had Ronald Reagan, who was talking about mourning in America, how, you know, the sun was coming up, things were going to be better. But the Ross Perot effect really wasn't there. If you look at the exit polling from the 1992 election, what you'll see is that people who voted for Ross Perot in the exit polls, they were split pretty much evenly as to who their second choice would have been if Ross Perot were not in the race. So if you add those votes to either candidate, Bill Clinton still comes out ahead. There really doesn't seem to have been much of a Ross Perot effect if you look at some of that evidence. But could Joe Manchin create the Ross Perot effect in this race? I don't think so. There's Schrodinger, no labels as Schrodinger's party. They exist, but they don't exist. They exist, they don't have a base. They, they, they talk about these things, but they, there, there's really no appeal. There's no urgency to them. And what are they going to offer? I'm not Donald Trump and I'm not Joe Biden. That's it. That's that's. That's the message. See, Joe Manchin is teasing along with this. He's America's greatest tease. He's teasing along on this because he's not sure if he's going to run for re-election in West Virginia because his poll numbers in West Virginia actually suck. And if he wants to stay in government and keep profiting off of government, which is what Joe Manchin does best, he needs to find another gig. And maybe he thinks that he can run for president. I doubt he really seriously thinks that, but right now it's keeping his name out there. And his name staying positive. He's getting positive press coverage. And Democrats are giving him negative press coverage for it, which makes the conservatives back in West Virginia reconsider their negatives about Joe Manchin. If he's making the Democrats bad, maybe he's not so bad. That's what West Virginia voters will think come election time. But Democrats are furious about this no labels thing. 
he's been trolling his party ever since Joe Biden got into office because he knew he had a considerable amount of power at the time. Well, that power is mostly running. He sold his vote for the Inflation Reduction Act, made his voters back home furious. And then what do you know? Some of the things that were written into the Inflation Reduction Act for Joe Manchin, there were poison pills. It was never actually going to happen. So as a result, Joe Manchin got screwed over in that deal that he compromised his, ind- his seeming independence for. And so conservatives and, re- and Democrats are mad at him for it. And so he's trying to do this no labels thing to try to pick up this extra support from somewhere to make him seem like a viable candidate in something. And if he's not going to be president, then he can remain a viable candidate in West Virginia because, hey, I'm not either side. I'm my own guy and I'm fighting for you. That's going to be his message. But the no labels platform is Donald Trump is bad and so is Joe Biden. We got to be in the middle. That's not a message of hope. That's not going to bring voters to the table. No labels is made up of a bunch of Democrat and Republican consultants and uh, former Democratic politicians. The Democrats on there are terrified of Donald Trump. And the Republicans there are people who are mad that Donald Trump never gave them the time of day. They did not. They no longer have a seat of power, a seat at the table of power in the Republican Party. So they want to tear the Republican Party's primary uh, leader right now. They want to tear him down. But the thing that's missing, the thing that is missing from most of the campaigns right now, is. This idea that there aren't just dark days ahead. Listen to the ads you hear on talk radio right now, those national ads. The economy is tanking. You need to buy gold right now. You need to go out and buy these emergency supply kits because you never know when the next great uh, revolution is about to happen. Go and stock up on supplies. You hear these constantly In left and right media, there's these messages of doom and gloom in the national advertising. And it's all meant to scare the bejesus out of you and scare you into spending your money. The emails from the the parties, I'm disappointed in you. We looked at our list of Republican voters and you haven't donated recently. Donate now to get a matching... No, that doesn't help. America's brightest days are ahead. In order to make it happen, you need to support X candidate. Where is that message? Everybody thinks the doom and gloom sells. They want to scare people into spending their money. They don't want there to be any hope, any, any, any happiness out there. Happiness doesn't sell. If it bleeds, it leads. Now, I'm fine with the Republican, I mean, the Democratic Party tearing their hair out over Joe Manchin. Love it. Love seeing the chaos in there. I mean, after all, we've got enough agents of chaos in our own party, right? On our own side, we have these folks. I mean, you've got Steve Bannon out there right now talking up Trump and attacking people with a Georgia accent because he doesn't like Brian Kemp. One of the three most successful Republican governors in the nation right now, he's attacking him because Kemp was not on Trump's side. We need people who are out there offering a uniting, positive, hopeful message. 
you can't look at the statistic of 5 million people needing to use the 988 suicide hotline number and thinking, hey, it's a great thing we've got this hotline. No, you should be looking at that and saying, man, there's a problem if 5 million Americans needed that hotline number. There's something wrong. There's something we need to fix. There's something going on, and they're not feeling full right now. Two three two fifteen forty two is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. Let's take this break. We'll be back to wrap up the show here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Two three two fifteen forty two is the number. Uh, Mike reaches out on the KPL app chat. You can use the KPL app chat too if you want to. Uh, Mike and Bro Bridge. Uh, what do you think about Trump not debating? I. I'm not sure, Mike, if you're talking about the Blaze Summit that every other candidate was at except for Donald Trump, but he notoriously missed, he skipped that one. Uh, but why do you, what do you think about Trump not debating? Was it a good move? As of right now, Trump doesn't have to go out and do interviews or debates or anything like that. He's at the top. Nobody else is on the rise or anything like that. There is no reason for Donald Trump to go out there and, and, and cause any sort of issue with his own campaign. They're, they're, they're focused on just staying on top right now. So there's not really any need for him to go out there. However, that could change. It may change, but it could change. If the polling changes in the race. Right now, Donald Trump is sitting up top. He fluctuates a little bit. Ron DeSantis is fairly stagnant. Every other candidate's fairly stagnant. The numbers, uh, the numbers for fundraising came out over the weekend. Ron DeSantis has done a better job of raising money than Donald Trump did. And he's not moving much in the polls. Now, the DeSantis campaign is also making some shakeups, which is why I think, like I mentioned earlier, that Great American Comeback is about to turn into a real serious uh, campaign push. He's going to shift away from the super woke stuff. He's going to talk about the much needed American recovery, which is not something that Donald Trump has done much of yet. And if DeSantis does do that, you're going to start seeing the numbers change. You're going to start seeing things fluctuate a little bit. Then it becomes a matter of, is Trump going to go to the debates early next year? Is he going to be active and on the He really hasn't been very active and very on the ground. I mean, the he's coming to Louisiana. Of It's not an early primary state. It's not a place that Republicans uh, are are going to be at risk of losing. It's not a swing state. It's not an early primary state. There's no reason why Donald Trump should be coming to Louisiana for a fundraiser, except it's friendly territory. And he needs to raise money. He needs to raise money because he's got all these legal fees coming. So as of right now, Trump doesn't have to do the blaze summit. He doesn't have to do, uh, TPUSA, I mean, his surrogates are at the, 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 the Turning Point USA conference that was over the weekend, too. Uh, there is so much that's out there that, that his surrogates are at, and, and he doesn't have to go to any of these right now. He's sitting at the top. No reason for him to come up off that hill. But if other people start climbing the hill and getting closer to him, then he's got to come down and fight. We'll see if he actually does that. Now, before we go... There's a story at kpel965.com I want you to be aware of, mostly because I wrote it. 
but also because I think it's, it's indicative of a problem here in Louisiana. Maybe I'll talk about it a bit more tomorrow. Lafayette ranks high in education quality, but low in educational achievement. WalletHub has a new study out, and we're ranked 132 out of 150 metropolitan areas on the list of most and least educated cities in America. We rank pretty badly. But the quality of our education is really good. We're number nine, we're number 15 out of 150 in terms of quality of education and the attainment gap. The problem for Lafayette is that educational attainment, the people who are here who have uh, high school degrees, college experience, associates, bachelor's degrees, whatever, those numbers are super low. And it goes to a bigger problem in Louisiana and something that the governor's race candidates need to start talking about. Talk about bringing hope is how do we get, how do we convince young people and recent college graduates that there's hope for them here in Louisiana? That there's something for them to stay for. Cause right now they get a college education. They're out, they're gone and they're not coming back. And so that impacts places like Louisiana, like Lafayette, like Baton Rouge, and other places where we have universities, but then kids get their degrees and they leave. We have a great education system locally. We don't have anything to show for it because the ones who get the best educations most of the time end up leaving. And that needs to be fixed as well. All right, that's it for me. 23 hours until I return. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and email joe at redstate.com. The podcast version of the show will be up in just a matter of minutes over at joecunninghamshow.substack.com or wherever you get your podcast, be it Apple, Spotify, whatever. Just go there, and while you're listening to the podcast version, if you're listening to it through Apple or wherever, give it a good rating and a review. That helps get it in front of more people. If you want to see this show be successful, I need your help with it. All right, you guys have a great one. Shannon is off sides. He'll be up next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.